DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the morning. How'd it happen? What's the explanation? Undefeated BYU goes down to defeat to Boise State at home. Utah goes to L.A. and crushes USC. Explain away. The Jazzy Youth says, well, BYU's not as good as people thought, and Utah's not as bad as people thought. Whole lot of that going on in college football, right, PK? Aren't that many teams ending up with 11 or 12 wins. Aren't that many teams ending up with two or three wins. There are ups and downs. That's why we love it. It's an unpredictable roller coaster. Every year, a game you shouldn't have lost. Nobody ever wants to say, nobody ever wants to say, that's a game we shouldn't have won. (laughs) But there are games you shouldn't have won. And you did. Got away with one there. How good do you expect BYU to be? Uh, well, I think most people at the start of the year were thinking eight and four, nine and three. So five and one, you're ahead of the curve. And I think at so this then, point in the season, people thought they'd probably probably depends on who you were, but three and three or four and two. Okay, so then how could we say they're not as good as we thought, though? If that, that doesn't make any sense, not as they're good actually as we thought better when, than we thought, right? But not as good as we thought when they were five and zero. Oh. Because you're constantly readjusting. You're right. Versus what you thought on. August 15th, before anything kicked off, BYU is in a better place than I thought they would be in. But what I thought when we were doing the show Friday, they're 5-0, and they're at home against a Boise State team that's 2-3 and that is not a good second-half team. Thought they had a good chance. Thought they had a very good chance to win the game. Oh, uh, but they turned it over four times, and that will this... wreck your chances every time. I don't, I don't. I don't think you can say there's not a good second half team. I mean, they, what's the difference? First half, second half. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, I didn't watch all those games in the second half to know what would happen. I'm just. You just can't look at a, a score line and say this equals this. So this is what it is. Uh, I, I don't buy that. Uh, after a few games against some good competition. Uh, the fact is, if you told me that BYU would have four turnovers and Boise State wouldn't have any, I'd have picked Boise State. Eleven field, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think anything less of BYU. And if, if I'm a Cougar coming to practice today, I am fired up. I am fired up even more so than I was at five and zero, because now you got folks dropping off the bandwagon. They dropped 10 spots in the rankings. That's a lot. Uh, That just means they were high, because if they weren't that high, dropping 10 spots would likely drop you out. Uh, So now you've got... If you're BYU, you constantly have to prove yourself. You never get the benefit of the doubt. So with that in mind, now you're going into Big 12 on the road. This is an opportunity to really show them against another team that's 5-1 and themselves. Come on, man. What more could you ask for if you can't have six and zero, and you can't have six and zero because you blew it? I would be just itching to get back out on that field and practice field and show what kind of team we are. I I, I feel, in a sense, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I feel better about BYU's chances than if they were six and zero, and maybe that's ridiculous. I understand that. And it's hard to get your uh, got the weight of expectations off their shoulders, though. I think people can understand that there is pressure that comes with being undefeated or having a long streak. Yeah, and so you won three in a row against the South, and you proved it, proved it, proved it. Well, now you got to prove it again. 
That's just, so it's like those those games didn't even count. And yeah, you said well, uh, the uh, Utah and ASU are eight and three. That's because they just beat teams in the conference who aren't very good. I mean, that's all they've done, right? They just beat teams in the conference that we're acknowledging isn't very good. So what? ASU what has, is ASU has the big win because they beat UCLA. Yeah, but you just told me that that conference isn't very good because Utah, BYU just went 3-0 and against them, and particularly that division isn't very good. So what really have these teams done in compiling these eight wins? Beat a bunch of average teams, potentially? Uh, average and bad, yeah. Combination. I, I mean, they don't both play know. money games. You're supposed to win those, even if they're good teams at their right, level. Right, right. At your level... Uh, you're only paying that money and bringing them in because you think you're going to beat them soundly. Route them. Here's a take for you that's both looking back and looking forward. Clint tweets uh, in response to BYU losing to Boise State at home and Utah crushing USC and U- in L.A. How does it happen? Bah! BYU will crush USC too. Also, had BYU had three fumbles that cost them. And the BYU will crush USC take, I think a lot of people held. The first person I remember saying it aloud on the air, because it was a long way away, but I was driving to our college football roundtable, and you were on with Scotty, and somebody, I don't know if it was you, it might have been somebody else who was on, somebody said to Scotty something about BYU, USC, and he's like, BYU will crush USC. By then they will fire Clay Helton, and they'll be in disarray. Well, they've accomplished those goals in the first half of the season. They fired Clay Helton, and they are in disarray with three home losses. Everybody crushes USC at this point. Everybody who's decent. I mean, that doesn't mean Arizona will and Colorado couldn't. Let's see what Dart does when he gets in there. Uh, I I question that. If he comes in, he's going to be fired up because he's just barely getting started. So that could change the team's complexion in the way that the defense will play better. Changed Utah's complexion. The, the defense will play better. USC has more problems than Utah, and quarterback changes can certainly, you know, spark a team. We've seen that lots of times at multiple levels. High school, college, pro. Quarterback plays critical. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not gonna. It seems pointless to worry about a game that's November 27th on October 11th. Maybe that's just me, but I'm not really interested in breaking down that game right now. Nick says Cam Rising, Clark Phillips, and Devin Lloyd were better than USC's best. Playing good teams week after week catches up to you, as BYU found out. Boise was up for BYU in the same way BYU was up for Utah. It's very difficult to keep up that level of intensity when you're favored. I guess that's what makes it all the more impressive when when Obama does it. Two years ago, Utah kicked the crap at everybody, and they were favored every week. I, I completely disagree on that. Well, his argument then, I will speak for you now, Nick Tate, at you, Nick, would be caught up with them when they played Oregon. Caught up with them? Were they favored against Oregon? I don't remember. And USC. Those would be their Oregon losses. Was, Oregon was a better team. Yeah, I don't think they were favored in either of those games. I'd have to go double check, and no, no team is no team has gone nine and zero in the conference. So why would I think Utah would have gone nine and zero? 
And I don't think any team is going 9-0 and this year either, for that matter. Well, that's part of the explanation, though, isn't it? It's hard to stay up and stay on your game, and the more you win, the more you get the target, and the more people get up for you, even if they are, you know, B-minus football team, they get up for you and give you their best game. And you play your B-minus game, and oops, it happens. Especially in a sport where the best team doesn't always win, and turnovers are the great equalizer. And if you get them... Well, except Utah SC two years ago, uh, Utah had, it was the first game, so no one was favored. I guess if you go on preseason poll, they were. I, I just think that I, I don't. I what I think is that it's hard to play at your best every week. It, it doesn't matter if you suck. It doesn't matter if you're great. It just things happen in sports, and it's hard to be consistently great every single week. I think that's the big issue. Lucky you. So somebody, at least in this conference, somebody's going to get you. Lucky you says, I know it's surprising, but sometimes college football teams improve slash worsen as the season progresses. I don't think that's surprising at all. I already said I think Stanford, when the Utes play them on November 5th, will be much better than they have been here recently. I think that's going to be an extremely tough game on that Friday night. Because I think Stanford's going to be better than they are right now. They've got an experienced coach, and they've coached teams up before, and they got a young quarterback, so there ought to be plenty of room to grow. So I don't think you're very far out on the limb there. I think you're right. Now right, we'll see. he threw for over 300-plus yards against the Devils in their great defense the other night. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature. Send us your audio, send us your takes. Why did Saturday go the way it did? And Curtis says, BYU got caught up in the top 10 ranking and let down the intensity. That game was Boise State's top game left on their schedule. Perfect storm for the upset. I can see truth to that, yes. And the intensity let down because they got 10 points so easily, so quickly off the first two possessions. Yes. Yes. And they didn't, there wasn't good enough ball security. You you just can't have that, man. You can't. You got to do whatever it takes. Put the ball in your gut, do whatever. There's ways to protect it. And they didn't do it. And credit Boise for creating turnovers. And the devastating turnovers, really, really just devastating. So I think that that's why I feel more encouragement for BYU going forward, because I think that was the kick in the teeth wake up call that they needed. So they probably weren't going to go undefeated anyway. So now you've got to you've got to really, really bear down. I'm so interested to see how this BYU team responds on the road here Saturday afternoon. One thirty ESPN for Baylor and two coaching staffs that know each other really well. There will be there will be no secrets. Jeff Grimes and A Rod have sat in too many meetings and talked too much football and watched too much film and coached too many games together to have a bunch of secrets. I don't think there's that many secrets anyway. I think these teams scout each other a thousand times over. I'm not really worried about that. I mean that's that stuff happens all the time. 
it's about execution, what you do on offense and defense and how you stack up and where you're supposed to be because I think these teams are highly trained and they're supposed to be uh, well coached and I believe they are. And so it's up to the kids. So you, you heard Kyle. All the credit goes to the players. He said that Saturday night in the Coliseum, and that's so true because they're the ones. You can dial up the plays and scout and blah, 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 but the, folk, the, the ones on the field are the ones who have to do it. And what's it going to be with them? That, that's what it's going to boil down to. Two great games. This is what we've talked about, what we wanted to see. When, it's, when it was apparent that BYU wasn't going to get in the Pac-12 for whatever reason, some can say religious, whatever, well, really, what's the difference? They're not in. That's all that matters. And so we dreamed of the Big 12, and we dreamed of a time when there was two big games, Big 12 versus Big 12 and Pac-12 versus Pac-12, and that's what we got this Saturday. Two five and ones, two teams that the only two teams left in the conference that don't have a loss. This is really what we talked about for years, and it's going to come to pass on Saturday. It's obviously it's not a conference loss or win, but still, it's the closest thing we're going to get until we get to 2023, and I think it's pretty cool. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk with the Aggies head coach. Blake Anderson is going to join us. Coming up next, your feedback on the way. Grab your phone, use the open mic feature on our app, and we will get it on the air. DJ and PK, the Aggies coach, joins us next. Stay with it. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and bruises. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night, and my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away, and then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell, man? That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk. With Utah State football coach Blake Anderson in a few minutes, he'll call in here and we will talk with him as the Aggies come out of a bye week, jump back into Mountain West Conference play. They have a game with UNLV this week. This is a little off the topic, but did you see the Barstool Sports thing where the Barstool Sports guy confronts John Cusack at the White Sox game? I saw that it happened. I did not (laughs) see it. It's like... Barstool Sports, anything for clicks, man. TMZ is like, why didn't we think of that? And he goes up to Cusack and says, you can't go here and act like you're a a White Sox fan. You've been a hardcore Cubs fan. And they get in this argument. (laughs) Part of the fandom is you've got to suffer. Some have to suffer more than others. (laughs) But, yeah, you just don't jump on the White Sox now that they're in the playoffs and you were going ape you-know-what when the Cubs won the World Series a few years back. (laughs) And so they're getting this argument. It looks like it's outside the stadium. Yeah. (laughs) Going back and forth on this. I think Barstool has something to say for that, especially in Chicago. 
Can you can you be a diehard of both? Is that possible? Well, is that get, legal? Let's get Steve Klauke on the line to announce, no, you stinking Cub fans, stay over there on the north side of the city and leave us alone, is what I think Steve would say. Don't you have to choose? Growing up, where I had the team, and they're the ones that played in my backyard, and absolutely. But as you get older, you find out there's tons of front runners and tons of people who just like to go to big games, and tons of people who switch and. Fine, but you still can't win. be hardcore. You can do that because you just like the game, and it's the playoffs, and they're yeah. in your community. So you, but you can't be hardcore of both. You can't be hardcore of both. You I could can't. never do that. I could never. Do no that. one can. People act like they do. They befuddle me. You can't. Me. You I can't also, be hardcore for more than one team. I also couldn't walk up to some guy who made some hit movies in the 80s and yell at him about it either, but whatever. Okay, that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> okay, you so as long as we're on, hardcore for both. As long as we're on celebrities and sports, was that or was that not Tom Cruise at the Dodger-Giant game? Yeah, I think it was. Or was that some guy who kind of looked at Tom Cruise? A lot of people uh, weren't buying it. I did, but I didn't study it. I there, looked at it. There were people Smile going over it like, like Zapruder. Yeah, there was one where he's smiling, but he's kind of looking away from the camera. For whatever reason, that really seemed like him. You know, did to me. There are plenty of people who think it wasn't. They think some dude just talked his way into a game. Yeah, I kind of sort of look like Tom Cruise. I can pull this off and get okay, some tickets. Fine. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it either way. Get the hottest Tom ticket Cruise in going town. To a game. It's, I went to many Dodger games, covered the Dodgers, not as a daily beat guy, but were there and almost and would cover them in the press box. And almost every time I was in the press box, I saw somebody, somebody famous. So it makes sense. All right, DJ at PK, it is time to bring in Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coming off a of bye week. Were you obsessed about your own team, totally focused, watching bonus film of you and the opponents, or did you take a day to watch college football and just be amazed by the wackiness of it like the rest of us? Well, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of good games on Saturday. We got, we got plenty of uh, opponent film in all week. Uh, our opponent didn't play, so uh, we, we banked through all their games during the week. I, I'm like everybody else, man. I enjoyed some unbelievable games on Saturday. I think I sprained my thumb flipping back and forth between uh, – Arkansas Ole Miss and Texas OU. I'm not sure if anybody else had that problem, but I was. those were happening at the same time and just about as crazy at the same time. You glad you got your bye week out of the way now? Now it's football right now until all the way through Thanksgiving? Well, if we can stay healthy, I do. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we won't, we won't get another break. It'll, it'll happen quickly. We needed it desperately. We were pretty banged up. I, I think the first half of our schedule has been – extremely physical when you watched Boise and BYU play on Saturday I think it just I mean it reminded me just those are two really physical big well-built football teams I watched Air Force play this weekend as well and a game that we came out of having to you know bang uh, kind of old school football so I, we needed it uh, I, I love the fact that it's gonna it's gonna get competitive and crazy over the next six seven weeks but we cannot afford to get injured either we're, we're thin and and we, we don't have a lot of luxury of, of losing guys, so hopefully we can we can win games and stay healthy at the same time. Your division looks completely wide open here early on. Four teams on one loss, New Mexico's 0-2, and, 
And CSU's 1-0 after beating San Jose, but it seems pretty wide open the way everybody else has had a little bit of success and a little bit of trouble as well. Yeah, I think the league uh, is shaping up to you better be ready to play on Saturday because anybody can beat anybody, and it's proven to, to look like that. Uh, nobody you know, nobody just shows just absolute dominance, but, but everybody, even – I mean, we're going into an 0-5 Vegas, but they've been in every game, been close – been down to the wire. I mean, we don't want to be their first win, but they're they're going to win some games somewhere along the way. We just hope it's not this week. You talk about last week, Bonner. You thought he'd be back. Is he ready to go? Yeah, he should be fine. I mean, he was sore towards the end of the week, but was able to practice and throw it, do what he needed to. He, he's really not been healthy since week one. So, so this came at a good time for him. The, the knee uh, issue from the game the other night, Looks to be, uh, you know, something he's going to get past. I would think he'll still be sore for a couple more days, but I would expect on Saturday that he's probably as healthy as he's been since fall camp started. So are you willing to play two quarterbacks right now, or is he the guy for every snap, or you're going to figure it out as you go along? No, he's the quarterback. He's the guy. We're going to still – we are still going to have some sub-package stuff to, to get Peasley involved, and, and so we'll – have that uh, available and, and can utilize it in some certain circumstances. But, I mean, Bonner's a guy, I mean, his experience has shown he gives us the best chance to, to be successful with the personnel we have especially. Uh, but there is value to throwing Peasley out there occasionally. It, it will not be a two-quarterback system, though. We're going we're gonna to ride Bonner and let him just keep getting better. I think every time he goes out and plays uh, with the guys that we're, we're playing with and in the system, I think he gets, he gets better at it. Have you been able to gauge the mood of the team following two consecutive losses? Yeah, I thought our I thought our meetings were good. Uh, I think uh, disappointed, but also uh, somewhat encouraged as well. I mean, I think they know how BYU and Boise are both built. They see where we made mistakes that that potentially cost us an opportunity to win. They feel like it's stuff that we can correct. You know, we didn't come out of the game feeling like we we're just completely overmatched, and and I think that'd be a completely different feeling. But um, there's a sense of urgency about, about just improving and an excitement that, that we really, truly have an opportunity to be in the mix and we kind of control our destiny. And if we just go out and play our best ball, that, that this team has some really cool things ahead of them. So I've been really, honestly, very pleased with the response. Um, I think they took coaching. We, we, we were coaching them hard, and I think they took it well. And, and what practices we did at this last week were – we're, you know, I thought positive. We got better. So that, that's all you can ask of the group. So you've watched all the UNLV film, and they have had three really close games that they've lost at the end, one possession games. What goes wrong for them? What is the, what is the flaw? What have other people attacked that you can attack? Well, I'd like to think that we're going to be a, a little bit better than them in space. I think their, their front is, is, can create some problems for us. Uh, we're going to do a great job of protecting the quarterback. I'd like to think that, that some of the same things that have helped us be successful moving the ball in, in previous weeks is, is going to be something we can, uh, you know, lean on this week. I mean, we are good in space and hopefully tempo and space can, can be, uh, can be big for us. Uh, you know, I, I, as you watch them, if you throw the record out the window, you just don't see, you just don't see an 0 and 5 team. Uh, they have played really, really hard all the way through, which to me is, is saying a lot about the coaching staff that, even things are not, you know, even things are not going real well. They're still playing hard. They're they're not quitting on on them. And to me, that makes them extremely extremely dangerous. Um, you know, they've they've struggled to score points. They've been a little bit off 
their timing, a miss here, a mistake there, a turnover here. I mean, you're hoping, you know, for us, we, we don't need their timing to start clicking. Uh, you know, they've kind of been their own worst enemy uh, offensively up, up until this point. Yeah, kids are human, obviously, and they can see 0-5. Do you emphasize don't get caught up in that? I'm going to do the best I can to show them all across college football and honestly even the NFL, you know, just when you think the record indicates who the team is. I mean, look, look at this weekend. I mean, Mississippi State beats A&M. A&M turns around beats the number one team in the country that everybody thought was unbeatable. Uh, I've seen 0-3 teams beat uh, really good football teams, 1-3 teams. I mean, it, it, you, you just cannot look at the record. And in our league alone, uh, you know, watch Boise lose to Nevada, turn right, right back around and beat BYU. Colorado State loses to a 1AA, turns right back around and beat San Jose State. You know, Hawaii struggling, turns right back around and beats Fresno, who's in the top 25 minutes. All across the country, it just shows you, you better be ready to play on Saturday, throw the records out the window and just play the best ball you can. Blake Anderson joining us, head coach at Utah State. Uh, the Aggies, you've got um, you got the guys coming in as the transfers, and I'm curious how quickly the chemistry builds and at what point, because think if I ask you now, you'll say, it's us, we're a team. At what point did that click in and you felt that? I felt like uh, you could see that happening in spring ball. I think a lot of it had to do with just how our strength staff handled our guys during the offseason. I think the amount of time that we spent with them, uh, you know, we took advantage of every minute that the NCAA gives you in the offseason. But I did. I felt like as spring ball was going on that you started to see some relationships start to build and guys started to kind of buy in. I think it was helpful that some of the transfers we brought in had success, successful spring ball. I mean, you could see them making plays that were going to help the team. And that always, you know, it always helps you. When you look around and say, I mean, this guy brings value. He's going to help us. Uh, is that, you know, work ethic was high. His attitude was good. Uh, excited about being here. I felt like by the time we came through spring ball that we'd made a lot of strides in that area. Because you're right, when you do bring guys in, veteran guys, older guys in, um, it does not always go smoothly. And it can be. It could be a challenge. We, we've been fortunate. I think this, this group has come together very well. So we talked last week about how you were going to send some coaches out uh, to do some recruiting to an extent. Uh, you being new with a new staff, how long does it take you to establish relationships with high school coaches? It takes a while. It does. I and mean, we're fortunate in the fact that part of how I developed the staff was to make sure that, that we had – some built-in relationships. Obviously, DJ, T. Oliveira, and Al Lafuajo, both those guys, uh, knowing the state, knowing all the coaches in the state here was helpful, and some guys off the field that are connected to the state of Utah. Guys uh, like uh, Nick Premsky, who's already on my staff, uh, Kyle Cephalo, who's already on my staff, uh, Anthony Tucker, all those guys being connected to California. Uh, and, and then we've got uh, Chucky and, and Ray Brown, myself, uh, Coach Banda, that all are connected to Texas. And then there's some areas in between that, that we're going to utilize. You know, Denver, Kansas JCs, in the into Vegas. Uh, you know, they're really, if you look at our staff, there were already some, some at least some, uh, you know, at least somewhat some connected areas that we could start working on. Now, I think to really get ingrained, it definitely takes 
a recruiting cycle or more. Uh, but that's why those those relationships were important to start with to kind of get us get it, get us going. So PK and I were waiting to have on a uh, local coach in person, and there was a scheduling snafu, and he's like, "No big deal. I've got uh, some recruiting uh, texts to r- respond to." And so we got to do whatever else it was we had to do. And while we're doing it, I can't help but notice this guy sitting over here, and he is just working it. And I cannot, and I never know. I mean, he's sitting 20 feet away. I don't know if there's long text, short text, a word, a sentence, a paragraph. But I'm like, I wonder how many people he has to text in a given day. Can you share just a little bit about the intensity of recruiting and the number of relationships? You're You're in a state with 100 high school football teams, and you're recruiting out of state on top of that. Yeah, it, it really never stops. Um, I mean, you're sitting there watching a game on Saturday and, and you're texting back and forth with multiple guys. You're sitting at dinner on a Thursday night with your family and you got a recruit that, that, that you're, you're going to call or, or is expecting a call or you're texting back and forth with him about, hey, I'm coming to the game, coach, or, or hey, man, good luck on your game. It, it really, truly never stops. You're on the beach in the summer with your family trying to enjoy vacation and you've got a call. Hey, I got to go take this call. This is the only time I can talk to this kid and his parents. I mean, it, it is year round. If you don't do a good job of it, you are eventually going to see it on the field. You've got to recruit. Uh, it is the most important thing you do and then developing them from that point on. So guys, when you're really in the heat of it, uh, it it's, it's an all day, every day type thing. There are some, Small, I guess, windows where it slows down a little bit, but uh, but if you look at the calendar, it, there's not much. It, it is something you have to enjoy doing. Make yourself be disciplined to do it all the time, and you're basically available pretty much 24 seven. Well, you got a circumstance where you already said that in the Vegas, as far as recruiting, would you send guys out Friday night in Vegas? Yeah, we absolutely will be at a few games on Friday night. We've got some kids that we're actively recruiting and, and even a couple committed kids in the area that uh, we'll split up uh, on Friday night. And uh, I'll eat dinner with the, with, the, with the players when we get to the hotel and a handful of coaches will go, go be visible and go watch some guys play. And that's, that's pretty typical in most areas if it's in your, if it's in your footprint uh, where you get to do that. We, we actually do that here at home on home games uh, get a chance to go watch the guys play if we can, but uh, but an area like Vegas, an area when you go into California to play, I'm sure people going to play San Diego State, they're going to get out and about and watch some games on a Friday night if they can. You know, it's so interesting. I've seen coaches line the fence at games. It's like it's a, <laughs> it's almost like a, it's almost like an art. You know, it's it's like a painting or something. I see coaches who will stand on the sideline, but they make sure they stand way away from. The coaching boxes, they don't have a good view of the game, but it's specifically so the kids will see them. They stand out. They don't blend in a crowd. And at a school that has a ramp down to the field like Cottonwood High, every coach lines the chain link fence. So when the guys go for warm-ups, they get seen. It's like you're playing like every last little angle. Well, yeah, you, they got to know you're there. I mean, they, they need to know that you're there. As much as anything that you've spent the time and energy to be there. That's how much you think of them. Obviously, you want to get a great look at them as well. But most of these guys, uh, to be honest with you, we've watched so much on them. We already know you're there to kind of check that last box. Like, hey, man, I made this trip so you could see me. That you know us. You mean enough to us that we, we came to see you play. 
there are some younger guys on the roster. Obviously, you're trying to get a good early look at, and and occasionally, you know, you'll see a guy. And you're like, man, yeah, you know, he he uh, he outperformed what we expected, or or man, he had a great game, or he did something unique. But but you're right. A lot of it just has to do with you showed up. He knows you showed up, and that may be what you know what matters most at the end. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week after the game in Las Vegas. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. You never know what high school kids notice or where they're looking or where they're, what they're doing. It was the weirdest thing, PK, but there was a game. Uh, there was a big game. We were high up in, in Region 1, and you know Matt Coma, and he's up there shooting highlights for us. There's a kid running down the sideline, breaking a big play for a touchdown. Two defenders. They're, they're, they're a step, step and a half back. The kid's going to outrun him the end zone, but it is a foot race. He's at the 20 to 15 going in, and he's still chugging. And he looks, and he sees Matt's camera pointed right at him, and he's got the ball in the right hand, and with the left hand, he points at the camera, and he keeps trucking into the end zone. Now, his coach would probably bust his chops for doing that, <laughs> but he did it. You never know what they notice. You never, ever know. No, recruiting is 24-7. You've got to be seen. I have seen with my own eyes Mike Krzyzewski and not at the same time Roy Williams standing at the door of a casino in Vegas during the summer just to make sure that kids coming through the front door into the lobby of the hotel casino, not just like a, you know, a holiday inn or something, but a big casino to where you can get lost in those things very easily. But they stood right by the, the second portion of the double doors and they're just standing there and it was clear why they were standing there to be seen when the kids come in after playing their games in Vegas during the summer. The bus is going to drop them off, and they all got to go up to the rooms, and they know the time, and they know the path, and they are there. Yeah, I said, what up, Kay? He said, not much, PK. How's it going? MK and PK just hanging out by the door. No, no, that, oh, yeah, MK, that's right. I was always Coach K, but yeah, that was his, his first name is Mike. You're right, MK, yeah. I just, I said, actually, I did say hello to him and just made a little uh, meaningless chit-chat on the way to I was there for that very reason too I was down there to look at some guys and do a story on Summer League DJ and PK it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone your feedback coming up next stay with us and it's all over almost here don't go nowhere time for your feedback how can you explain BYU losing to Boise State at home and Utah crushing USC in LA Ryan says rain The rain, huh? Boise it State. Rained for, rain for one team? Yeah, Boise State didn't play in the rain. <laughs> it stopped, everything dried out. And, of course, it was perfect weather in Southern California. That was Chamber of Commerce type stuff down there, man. Everybody, go vacation in Southern California. I would actually, I would advise most people up here to move back down there. <laughs> Crowd those freeways, open ours up. <laughs> Tyler says it's because the ball isn't round. It bounced against the Y. Wouldn't have mattered how it bounced if they hadn't dropped it. Ball security, man. Got to do it. You got to buckle down. It's crazy when you think about it that through five games, they literally had zero fumbles lost, and then they lose three against Boise. That is just 
it's remarkable when you think about it how you've been so good over here and then boom it not only hit you once it hit you three times and each one was devastating either gave up points or cost yeah. you points i mean it's yeah. easy to say it was uh what 17 21 point swing in a nine point game i think you can yeah, yeah. i think you can go there so hold on to the ball. We had Samson Nakua on. If you missed it uh, earlier, it's up at 1280thezone.com. And asked him about the difference, you know, with the two coaches having coached together for so long. What's the difference in the way Kalani and Kyle handle things? And he said, well, they, they both stress the importance of turnovers, but Kalani's a little more forgiving when it happens. I think that's because Kalani was an offensive guy who fumbled during his career, and Kyle was a defensive guy who knocked fumbles loose as a linebacker. Linebacker mentality. Mm, well, there's something that I would like to say, but I can't say it. <laughs> okay. Yes, don't say that. Uh, we got another one here. Um, this one comes in from Andrew. Hey, both teams gave up 26 points. This is the same thing. Except for the scoring 42 and the scoring 17 part. Yeah, it's funny that uh, the uh, same score that Utah lost to BYU, BYU lost to Boise, and it was almost the same score within a point or two of the ASU game, and mistakes by the Devils factored heavily into it. And you can say, well, that was the difference, and this was the difference over here, but in the end, it doesn't matter. The, The Cougars beat the Devils, and Boise beat BYU. You can go back and forth till you're blue in the face, and it really doesn't matter. The reality is, sure, those things factored into it, but nevertheless, you lost. It's like with the Jazz. They had injuries, and all right, sure, and Mitchell couldn't do this or that, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't because, therefore, you lost. Your season's over. The other guy goes on in the playoff. And same thing here. What you need to do is make sure you minimize your mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. You're dealing with humans, so there's going to happen. It's going to happen. But you've got to minimize them. And really, with both of these games coming up here, for I expect Utah State to roll. But as far as Utah and BYU, I can make a strong case right now on Monday, five days away from the game, that whoever makes the fewer mistakes in both of those back 12 BYU-Baylor games, the winner is going to be the team who makes the fewer mistakes between the two. Yeah, and the only people who'd agree with you are Herm Edwards, Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Sataki. Now, sometimes you can't say that because the disparity is great, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great at all between these two teams in each uh, respective uh, game. I don't know that the talent level is substantially different. I have a better feel for ASU-Utah than I do Baylor. Uh, and as I look at these two teams here, having watched them play a number of times this year and follow their programs as we do, yeah, I really believe it. Uh, who's going to make the fewer mistakes? If the Devils come to Utah and play like they did against BYU, there's no doubt in my mind Utah wins. But they've cleaned up their act since then. Maybe that was the wake-up call they needed. BYU, that was the wake-up call. But at the same time, Utah's got to feel awfully good about itself here. You're 2-0 and with Cam Rising, and what happened last month really is completely and totally irrelevant. 2-0 and and ASU, who's the only other team with an undefeated record in the conference. Take care of business Saturday. It's all on the table Saturday night.
Right. It's all right there. Well, and for, yeah, and for BYU, go score points. 17 is not a winning number. Greg Rubel's tweeting out numbers this morning. He says that is 19 straight losses for the Cougars when they fail to get to 20 points. We know without that streak, we still know 17 is rarely a winning number in college football. It is occasionally, but rarely. Well, sure. Score points. Duh. Right? I don't need a stat to tell me that. DJ PK, Hands, and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.